0: Good morning everyone, um, it's a real privilege to be here and I, I mean that, um, genuine honour to be here. When uh, David asked me uh, a little while ago, um, yeah, I was, was privileged and honoured. Um, I, I used to come to Windsor a little bit um, when I was at Belfast Bible College, um, that's uh, a number of years ago now. Uh, and it was here, actually in Windsor, where I uh, saw the advertisement um, for the job in Swords Baptist Church that I subsequently uh, took, took up and spent eight years uh, in. So I have Windsor to thank for that, for eight years of an adventure in Dublin. Um, I should introduce myself a little bit. I'm Tim Burns. I, um, I work for the, the Diocese of Dr- Down and Drummore, as, um, as Nigel has already said. Um, I'm married uh, to to Leah, who I actually met at Bible College, um, and we have one son called Seth who's four years old and is going into primary school or big school or whatever he, he chooses to call it, and um, he, he's he 's a four year old he 's brilliant and he 's cheeky and he 's all those things all at once and um, We have recently uh, also taken on ownership of of a dog called Bear, um, who is also brilliant and cheeky and all of those things all at once and um, we, have, we have mostly cracked the old uh, toilet training, which is also good um, yeah, like I said, it is an absolute privilege to be here and i 'm delighted to be here and um, Today, we're, we're going to look at uh, the story of Josiah, and I love, uh, I love the story of Josiah, and we're going to read um, in 2 Kings, um, if you have it with you, 2 Kings chapter 22 and chapter 23. And we're not going to read all of the verses, because there's a lot of them, um, but we'll, we'll take some um, across, across the two chapters. Um, so it's 2 Kings chapter 22. We start in verse one. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedediah, the daughter of Adiah, the of Boskath, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and he did not turn aside to the right or the left. What a testimony! In the eighteenth year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, the secretary to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people, and let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house. We'll just jump to verse eight. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Hiakim the son of Shepham, and Achbor the son of Micaiah, and Shepham the secretary, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book, to do according to all that is written Concerning us. We'll move on to chapter 23, verse 1. Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that has been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book, and all the people joined in the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal. For Asherah and all the hosts of heaven, he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he disposed the the priests, he deposed the priests whom, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem. Those who burned incense to Baal and to the sun and the moon and the constellations and all the hosts of heaven. And we move on to verse 15. Moreover, the altar at Bethel, a high place erected by Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who who made Israel to sin, that altar with the high place he pulled down and burned, reducing it to dust. He also burned the Asherah, and as Josiah turned, he saw the tombs there on the mount. And he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it, according to the word of the Lord that the man of God proclaimed who had predicted these things. Then he said, what is that monument that I see? And the men of the city told him, It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted these things that you have done against the altar at Bethel. And he said, Let him be, let no man move his bones. So they let his bones alone. With the bones of the prophet he came out of Samaria. And Josiah removed all the shrines also of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which kings of Israel had made, provoking the Lord to anger. He did to them according to all that he had done at Bethel. And he sacrificed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned human bones on them. Then he returned to Jerusalem. And the king commanded all the people, keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant, for no such Passover had been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel, or during all the days of the kings of Israel, or of the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book of Hilkiah, the priest found in the house of the Lord. Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after Still the Lord did not turn from the burning of his great wrath by which his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight as I have removed Israel and I will cast off the city that I have chosen, Jerusalem and the house which I said, my name shall be there. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for, for, for your word to us. Thank you for the story of Josiah. Lord, thank you, for, um, thank you that your word is not empty, that you, um, you speak to us through it, that it, it reveals your heart to us. God, just as we, as, we, as we engage with you through this, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and our souls. Amen. I love the story of Josiah. I genuinely really do. It's, it's brilliant. Um, and just, uh, just as a little bit of, of summing up, um, I've decided to play the video, if that's okay. Um, I'm just going to show a little video uh, on the story of Josiah. Um, I, uh, move through the, um, the, the American Josiah. accent if you can.
1: This is Josiah. Josiah became king of Israel when he was only eight years old. Yep. Now the country of Israel had a very long line of kings who did many bad things, including Josiah's father and grandfather. These kings did not follow after God, and they ignored his commandments and his law. But when Josiah became king, he did what God wanted him to and followed the example of King David. 18 years after Josiah became king, he sent one of his court secretary, Shaphan, to God's temple. Thank you. Many of the kings before Josiah did not take good care of God's house, so it was in need of repair. Hmm. While they're in the temple, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. So Shaphan took the scroll back to King Josiah and read it to him. When Josiah heard what was in the book, he was greatly upset. Oh no! Because the people of Israel were not doing the things that God asked him to do. And Josiah knew that God must be angry with Israel for not obeying his commandments. Josiah gathered together all the people of Israel to the temple. And read the entire book of the covenant to them. That very day, Josiah and all the people promised that they would obey all of what God commanded with all their hearts and souls. Josiah went on to help Israel become a people fully committed to God. He tore down all the other temples and the idols that they had set up. He got rid of all the people who were doing bad things all throughout Israel. And he did all that was commanded in God's book. Never before had there been a king like Josiah, who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since.
0: A little brief um, intro to the to King Josiah. I've been reading the Bible in a year, um, and it's been brilliant. And I've I've kept up, which is good. Also, um, it doesn't always happen, um, but it's been really brilliant. And recently, I've been reading through the through Kings, um, and uh, the history of the kings of Israel is incredible. Uh, we start with Saul, um, who's appointed king uh, by God, and he's just uh, really an insecure egomaniac. Um, we move to David, who is, a, who is flawed, but really is, he is a man after God's own heart. We have Solomon, who is wise and then becomes rich beyond his wildest dreams, but walks away from God, even though God speaks directly to him. Um, his son Rehoboam um, is foolish and doesn't listen to the wisdom of the elders, um, and at that point the kingdom is divided into Israel and Judah. Jeroboam rules in Israel and Rehoboam rules in Judah. God speaks to Jeroboam before he becomes king in 1 Kings 12 and says, follow me and I will establish your kingdom. But instead, Jeroboam sets up altars to other gods in the high places, including Bethel that lead Israel away from worshiping the true God for generations. And um, throughout the rest of Kings one and two, Jeroboam, Jeroboam becomes this measuring stick of badness to which the other kings are compared. Um, he's even mentioned there in, in, in chapter twenty three. This is madness. It's, it seems like madness to me as I read through um, through First and Second Kings that um, God spoke directly to Jeroboam. He said, "Look, follow me, and I will establish your kingdom in the way I established David's kingdom forever." Um, but some of his first acts, some of Jeroboam's first acts were directly against God, and the pattern continues throughout generations of kings. There are some good kings um, that follow God at different points, but one of the things that they fail to do is take down the high places, the altars to other gods, um, and Israel always goes back to them. They always go back and as I'm reading, reading through First and Second Kings, I keep, I keep noting, and there's, there's notes um, on the side of my Bible, they still haven't taken down the high places. They still haven't taken down the high places. And they don't. That is until Hezekiah, who is Josiah's great-granddad. No. Yep, great-granddad. He took down the high places. But then uh, Hezekiah has a son called Manasseh. And Manasseh puts them up again. And he abandoned God, unlike any other king before him. Um, And at this point, God abandons uh, Judah as well. He says, you know what, this kingdom is going to fall. Um, Then we have Amon, Josiah's dad, um, who did the same as Manasseh. And then we come to Josiah, who became king at eight. Um, And he's a contemporary of Jeremiah the prophet as well. And at this point, um, only Judah remains as, as a kingdom. Israel has been invaded and taken over. But Josiah breaks two generations of faithful, faithlessness and chooses to follow God. Walking in the way of King David, as it says there in, in the first few verses, Josiah remembers God. Josiah's brain, he takes over as eight and he remembers God. He must have good people around him, all pulling towards the same thing, all pursuing God. In Josiah's 18th year, he's about, he's about 26, Hilkiah finds a book in the temple. Hilkiah, who is the, the high priest, the temple has fallen into disrepair, and Josiah has, has decided, um, has ordered it, its restoration. Um, so Hilkiah, the high priest, has found this book of the law, the word of God given to Moses. And that's in verse 8. The basis of Israel as a nation and how it is to live with God was, was, was lost in the temple. This had been missing from Israel. And Hilkiah, what was he up to? The high priest um, found it. Um, what directed him before that? And he hands it to Shaphan. And then Shafan re- le- reads it out li- loud to Josiah who realizes how far Israel has fallen. And he is distraught. He tears his clothes and realizes the depth of God's anger towards Israel. We didn't read that bit, but it's in verse 14 uh, to 20 of chapter 22. You figure that that Josiah has maybe been splashing around for the last 18 years a little bit as he's ruled in in Judah, trying to figure out God's will. Um, The priests may have offered guidance and the prophets may have offered guidance, but they did not have the law. They did not have the full picture of of what it meant to follow God. But when Josiah is reminded of the law, he is distraught. He knows that God is real and true, and he catches a glimpse of God's heart, and he now has direction. So when Josiah remembers God, he finds direction. And it's, it's the same for us. It's when we, when we truly engage with God individually and, collection, and collectively, when we remember him, that we find direction. As, as myself and as people generally, I think we, we spend a lot of time trying to make life work. I know I do, in, in lots of different ways. But the place where life stops being about making it work or about being me and its true value is when we gain a, an eternal perspective and recognize that value and worth and purpose come through God alone. Josiah, through the book of the law, realizes this. And his, his, his response to it is to dedicate himself. I should be, should be doing this flicker thing. Um, there we go. Good job. It's not, it's not conflict. Um, verse, verse three of chapter 23. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep, keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the word of his, this covenant that were written in the book. And all the people joined the covenant. Josiah dedicates himself he is all in, he throws himself fully at it. He makes a covenant to keep all the statutes and all the testimonies with all his heart and soul. Um, and not only Josiah, but he leads all the people of, of Judah into that. All the people who hear him in Jerusalem are led into that dedication. In that, in that act that Josiah dedicates himself and takes responsibility as the leader of a nation for its dedication to God. And it's not just a dedication of following and pursuing after God and after the heart of God, but it's also a dedication to destruction of all the things that uh, caused Israel to stumble. And that's kind of a, there's a pattern in the Bible where, where God commands um, uh, uh, Joshua as, he's, as they're moving into the promised land to dedicate to destruction towns and peoples that, that would lead them away from God. In this. And in this act, uh, Josiah dedicates to destruction all the things that cause Israel to stumble, all the high places. He removes all the priests. He removes all the horses that had been offered to, to a God. He removes everything, um, all the high places that cause Israel to stumble. Verse 4, And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the keepers of the threshold, to bring out of the temple of the Lord all vessels made for Baal, all Asherah, and for all the host of heaven, he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, and carried their ashes to Bethel. He destroyed them. He got rid of them. But how far had the people fallen? How far had Israel fallen? Had uh, the people of Israel fallen? The temple was filled with with other gods. The temple Solomon had built as a as a meeting place with God. Um, I've been, reading, I've been reading Solomon's prayer um, with dedication to that as well recently. And he, he prays the dedication of, of the temple to God as a place, as a meeting place for all of Israel. But it has fallen so far that it's filled with other idols and other gods. But he clears this out. He clears out the high places. He gets rid of the priests of Baal and, and all the other idols and horses dedicated to other gods. He desecrates their sites um, that were sacred to any religion that was not worshiping uh, the one true God. He even moves beyond the boundaries of Judah into the rest of Israel, such as is his desire to honor God. And this leads him to Bethel and the tombs of the prophet who had prophesied the destruction uh, of the altars by Josiah. You read about that prophecy in uh, 1 Kings chapter 13, uh, where this prophet who who he, he prophesies over as um, Jeroboam is building these, these high places. A prophet comes and prophesies for the destruction of, of these high places by, by a man called Josiah. And here is Josiah fulfilling those prophecies. Um, so he, Josiah fulfills that. He, he, he dedicates to destruction all those high places. And all this can't have been easy and uh, must have to, taken time. I'm sure Josiah faced some opposition and I'm sure he faced backlash. You can't get rid of of everything that people love and and have committed themselves to without backlash and without people um, being resistant. But in remembering God, in in reading the law and in remembering God, he caught a glimpse of the eternal. He caught a glimpse of God's heart for his people and he moved beyond the questions of, of what if, what will people think? Do I just need to follow God? And in that place, he discovered where life is. And I think that's what remembering should move us towards. It should move us towards dedicating. And when Josiah read the law, he he was moved to throw himself headlong into following God. But it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. All those places didn't, all those high places didn't come down overnight. And the the prophets of, of Baal weren't removed overnight. But he did it over time, it was a process. It was a process of getting to know God and of dedicating um, himself to that process of of knowing God, but also dedicating himself to the destruction of those things that were stumbling blocks to himself and to the people of Israel. I think we're invited to the exact same journey, to getting to know God, to engaging with him um, and, and dedicating ourselves to him to following him, but also to dedicating to destruction, those things that draw us away from him. And if we're honest as we reflect uh, maybe on, on some of the things in us, then, then we see that there are things that, that remove us or withdraw us away from, from following hard after God. And that's individually and collectively. Like, uh, there's no point denying it. We are broken and we are flawed people, but that's Okay. Because God is more more than that. He is more than our brokenness. We follow a God who gives us the strength and the opportunity to follow him, who moves us towards wholeness. That's an amazing thing. I am saved, but I am being saved. Every day I am being saved. And God does that. And that's what it looks like. So from this dedication, Josiah moves to restoration. Restoration. One of the surprising things in this chapter is that the Passover meal has been entirely forgotten. Verse 21 and chapter 23. And the king commanded all the people, keep the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in this book of the covenant. For no such Passover had been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel or during all the days of the kings of Israel or of the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, This Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem. The defining moment in the history of a nation, a moment um, that God commanded in Exodus chapter 12 to be remembered for generations has been let slip. The Passover meal, this remembering of of the greatness of God, of how God rescued a nation, how God created a a nation, um, has been let slip not since the judges has it been observed. Not even David or Solomon during, during the peacetime that he enjoyed celebrated the Passover. That's incredible. That's some memory lapse right there. It's an indictment on how far Israel has fallen from the God who formed them as a nation. But Josiah re- restores it. And this speaks to a larger restoration Um, One that Jeremiah, in chapter 22, um, of Jeremiah chapter 22, um, mentions. Let me just bring that up. Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 16 and 17, or 15 and 16. Um, This is Jeremiah, or God, speaking about Josiah. Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and the needy, and then it was well. It is is not this to know me, declares the Lord. God commends Josiah. It speaks of a, this commendation speaks of a, of a people restored, of Israel restored as a place of justice and righteousness where the needy are cared for, where the poor are taken care of. It also, it doesn't speak of just a, a physical transformation either, it speaks of a, a heart and soul transformation. It speaks of a restoration of, of Israel as a, as a beacon of hope to a world in desperate need. And Josiah, at the end of 2 Kings, or in verse 25 of chapter 23, is commended. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Nor did any like him arise after him. What a commendation. There was none like him before him. There was none like him after him. Josiah fully committed, fully went and. Headlong into following God, and because of him, um, Judah is restored. Sadly, it's a a short respite for Judah. They quickly forget again and forget God again, and soon Nebuchadnezzar would take Judah captive. But what does this restoration mean for us? I think it's uh, for us. It's it's habits of, of remembering, like the Passover. Um, but also we live in a world of desperate need. A world of, uh, in desperate need of restoration to a God who created it and loves it more uh, than we could imagine, loves it enough to die for it. We live in a world where the immediate reality is the only one that matters, where, where fake news is the shout, and the people are sick of hearing that. Um, but where people live in real pain, and poverty and lostness. Restoration should move us beyond our borders in the same way Josiah moved beyond his. Individually and collectively, as beacons of God's hope, as people of justice and righteousness who care for the needy and the poor. What Josiah realized as the book of the law was read to him was that God is too important to ignore and actually God is too important to keep to ourselves. We know the one who offers hope to the hopeless, comfort to those in pain, peace to those in difficulty, mercy to those in conflict. In sharing this, individually, individuals and co- communities can be transformed. It's messy, it takes time, it's a process but it's also eternal. It's what counts at the end of the day. Josiah was a king who remembered, who dedicated and restored. He went all in, heart, soul, and might. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a linear process for him. Wasn't, he didn't just remember, then dedicate, then restore. It was an ongoing process for him. And it is for us. We remember, we, we dedicate, we, we restore, but but that, that process has to keep happening. That's what it looks like to live with God. And God keeps make, moving that process in us. And that's amazing. God do, loves us enough uh, to not leave us where we're at, which is incredible. The so what bit? I think it's good for us, and I'm speaking to me um, in this I think it's good for us to build rhythms and patterns into our own lives that give us time and space to remember God and who he is and what he has done and what he asks from us also. I suppose I have two questions from that. How do you do that? And is there ways that you could possibly do that better? Is there ways that I can do that better? And I know for me, yes, there are. The other questions are, how is the process of dedication to God ongoing with you? It could be re- good to reflect on what is good in that dedication to God. Um, and what areas do I need God's help to dedicate to destruction? What areas are in my life cause stumbling blocks to, to my dedication to God? Don't do it alone. Do it in community. That's the best place to do it. Restoration. Restoration. What habits of of remembering do I need to restore in my life? But also beyond that, what person or people do I think of when I think of them in need of God's restoration? Who are those people that I think of? And how might I be a vehicle of God's restoration for them? And then collectively, what does it look like for us as a community, as a family, to be truly restorative in the community and communities we inhabit? I think shine is a, is a great uh, process in, in, as part of that. But how do we become truly restorative in the community, the work communities, the, the, the social communities, um, the, the communities we live in? How do we truly become restorative in those communities. Restorative for a God who who is eternal and loves us too much to ignore us. I'm sorry that I have so little time today and I could talk about Josiah for a very long time. Um, But I think Josiah leaves us some very important challenges and calls to remember, to dedicate, and to to restore. And I think, um, and I just, yeah, and I would encourage you to read um, Kings 22 and, and 23 again.